myself adjusted here. Hey, good morning, Messiah. God's great blessings to you today. Um, I'm going to open up this morning by sharing with you one of my all-time favorite Bible passages. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, which goes like this. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. A different translation of this passage reads, God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. That's right. God does not want us to be spiritual wimps, and so he gives us gifts to build us up. Uh, baptism, the Lord's Supper, uh, worship, um, his word, the Bible, uh, prayer, uh, mission, and service. These are gifts that God uh, brings to us to uh, bring us to faith and also to strengthen our faith. Well, now there's a, a gift which I didn't mention, but we will be mentioning throughout our message series, and that's giving. Uh, giving gifts back to God is a great gift that he gives to us to strengthen our faith. This morning, I'm going to make the case that giving God's way is the way. It is a fascinating topic that few people fully understand. Oh, but once you get it, you got it. And you'll discover that my theory turns out to be very, very true. The trick is you got to put it to the test. And so that's what we'll be doing all month long. We are going to be testing God with our money by conducting the giving experiment. Experiment. That's a good word. Technically speaking, experiment is a scientific procedure undertaken to make a discovery, test a hypothesis, or demonstrate a known fact. I used to make seventh and eighth graders memorize that definition. You see, in my former life, I was a middle school science teacher, and so I have a little firsthand knowledge when it comes to experimenting with science. And over the years, I've also experimented with giving God's way. But let's stick with science for just a moment. Do you remember doing the science experiment, you know? Maybe not, so I'm gonna to introduce to you a classic. It's the old bread experiment. It's pretty simple. Um, five pieces of bread, each contained in its own separate bag. One slice is inserted untouched. Another is handled by children with dirty hands. The third is touched by kids who wash their hands with soap and water. And the fourth slice is one that comes into contact with students who used hand sanitizer. And then finally, a fifth slice of bread is rubbed on some common object that gets a lot of touches. For instance, a classroom full of Chromebooks. Uh, that's step one of the experiment. And then you allow the bread to sit out undisturbed for a few days, and you wait, and well, 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 surprise, surprise, mold starts to form. Now, I'm gonna show you the results, uh, but please get this. You gotta get this. This experiment was not, I repeat, not carried out at Messiah Lutheran School. 
I lifted this info straight off the internet and not, I repeat, not at Messiah Lutheran School. Okay, want to see the results? You're probably going to not want to see the results, but I'm going to show them to you. Here they are. First is the bread that was wiped on the Chromebooks. Nasty, to say the least, and not at Messiah Lutheran School. The next slice is the one uh, that they didn't mess with. This is the control. This is the fresh one and untouched. Uh, the third piece of bread is one that was touched uh, with unwashed, dirty hands. Again, not from Messiah Lutheran School where all the kids wash their hands all the time. Uh, the fourth slice is uh, the result of good old-fashioned uh, soap and water. And last but not least, we have the bread that was handled by the kids who used hand sanitizer. Uh, keep that in mind as you come to communion today. <laughs> it makes us feel good, though. Okay. <laughs> Bottom line for this particular experiment, if you want to be healthy and if you want to be germ-free, then washing your hands is the way when it comes to handling bread. Now... What is the best way when it comes to handling money? A side note, this is going back a few years. Uh, some of you might remember this, but a slang term for money used to be bread or, or dough. I, rem I remember that when I was a kid, you know. People would say stuff like, man, that costs a lot of bread. Or sorry, you know, I can't go to the movies because I just don't got the dough. It was a simpler time. But we're going to come back to bread in just a bit, because I want to tell you about a church. Actually, St. Paul's going to tell you about a church. Now, friends, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. The Macedonian churches were... Uh, a handful of mission congregations that grew stronger and stronger and stronger. They were a spiritually healthy bunch, and uh, there were some incredibly cheerful givers. Paul praised them for giving God's way. Uh, what they were doing, really, is just loving the church. You see, the original church, the one that started in Jerusalem, was in need of some big-time help. The Christians who were living in Jerusalem were being persecuted. Uh, they were socially and economically excluded because of their faith. Uh, they were also suffering the effects of uh, famine and double taxation because they were Christians, all the while still trying to bear the burden of being the mother church. And so this, this mission church from Macedonia they responded by collecting an offering. A big deal, right? Oh, it was. It was a big deal because they gave sacrificially. Out of the most severe trial, 
their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So apparently, they too were suffering affliction. They too were in crisis mode. It wasn't easy for them to give. They gave even though they were poor. And yet they were rich in God's spirits. The Macedonians gave as they were able. They gave willingly and, and they, they viewed giving as a privilege. They gave themselves first to the Lord in keeping with God's will. And Paul uses this church, this upstart young church, as an example of cheerful people doing it right by giving generously to the Lord through his church on earth. They gave sacrificially. They gave joyfully. They gave of themselves. They gave beyond their ability. What an example for the Corinthians and for us of a group of Christians uh, courageous enough to trust God with what they had. They understood that giving God's way is the way. And this morning we're going to explore what that means for us. Uh, so let's come back to bread. There we go. It all starts with God. God is the source of daily bread. Uh, he is the giver of all the gifts. Uh, most importantly, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who called himself the true bread from heaven. But on top of all the grace and all the mercy and all the love and all the salvation and all the future promised hope of heaven, which should give us all the more reason to be all the more cheerful, he doesn't stop there. Oh, no. God keeps on giving. He supplies us with our earthly needs as well. As Luther put it in his explanation to the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. What is meant by daily bread? Now, there's the list. Daily bread includes just about, well, everything. Every breath of air, every bite of food, everything that we need to support this body and life. It's all a gift from him, including our abilities, including our, our talents to have a job, to make money. He doesn't supply us uh, with what we need and more because we deserve it. Uh, no, no, only out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in us. He gives us more than we need. He's the source. He's it. He's the great giver of all the gifts. He knows our needs. And as our Heavenly Father, He knows how to give and when to give. In return, He asks us to give back. He wants us to re-gift gifts back to Him. Does God need our money? Nah, no, certainly not. Everything is his already. So why then does he really want us to, to give back to him through the local church? 
It's because he wants us to have a healthy life of faith. He wants us to trust him. And get this, he wants us to be like him. God has a giving attitude, and he wants that attitude modeled in the life of his children. You know, just like you parents do. We give because he first gave to us. You know, we love because he first loved us. We don't give to get blessings. No, we're already blessed. We don't give in order to receive. No, that's not how it works. We've already received because of Jesus and his life that he gave to us on the cross. So we love because he first loved us and and then we return to the Lord the, the first and the best of what we have because we've just been given so much. We've already received grace and, and forgiveness and, and all the material stuff which comes from his hand of blessing. Uh, giving God's way means that we give to the Lord first. It begins with him. It's called first fruit giving in the Bible, meaning this. Uh, we begin with giving to God first, off the top. Uh, too often we do just the opposite. Typically we spend on our own wants and needs, and then if there's something left over, we, we might give what's left over to the Lord. Now, I don't want to brag, <laughs> but what the hey? Let me tell you how rich I am. In my house, we have something, it's called a food pantry, which is a closet. Uh, it's really a storeroom. It's solely devoted to shelving all of my extra food. And get this, I also have a, a giant refrigerated box in my home that stores all the extra food that I need to keep cold. I know, right? I'm loaded. Anyway, in my closet of extra food, we always seem to have two or three of these things that are in there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a bread bag and... Uh, there's only two pieces in it. Can you guess which two pieces? Yeah, you know, you might. Right, it's the, uh, the heels, the, uh, the ends. And I, I make it a mess, and I really don't know who we're saving these for. Because <laughs> nobody in my family likes them, nobody in my family eats them, but you know, we just save them for some reason. Lutheran guilt, I don't know what it is. And eventually they become moldy and, uh, and no good for anybody. Um, that's not a good use of bread. Nor is it when we leave our thin leftovers for God. It's a wrong move. It's a wrong move. That's not the way. Uh, giving God the ends is not acting in faith. 
No, we, we begin with him first. The first check of the week. But who writes checks? Personally, I found electronic giving is really the way to go. It's very helpful for me because it comes off the top automatically even before I have a chance to spend it on anything else. And electronic giving also says something. It says this is important. You think of it. You only automate what's important. You automate things that you just can't do without. You know, priority items, house payment, um, school tuitions, electricity, ESPN Plus. You know, the stuff you just got to have, you can't do without. Things that are important, you automate. And so it should be with giving to God. Beginning with him first allows our faith to grow and trust in him to take care of everything that we need. We begin with him. That is the first step. Secondly, we're to give to him a proportion, in proportion, meaning in relation to our income. A healthy number is 10%. That 10%, that is the tithe. It's, it's biblical. Uh, for example, here's what giving God's way could look like in our setting. The first 10% comes right off the top. It goes right to God, uh, given to Messiah Lutheran Church. That's how it goes, if you're alone here. After that comes offerings. Offerings, then, are the extra things that God might want you to be a part of and you might want to be a part of. You know, things like sponsoring a child in Uganda or um, an extra Christmas uh, offering for Night to Shine or participating in a gift for Jubilee Sunday. Uh, speaking of which, if you are new around here, um, Jubilee Sunday is just something we've been doing for a long, long time, and our church does it one time a year. Uh, this year, it's at the end of this month, and we're going to come with our pledges for the year and also bring an over-the-top offering gift to help our church stay financially strong and healthy. And it's needed, and it's important. And so please join us um, as we celebrate Jubilee Sunday this year on March 26th. But I also want to encourage you to take the tithing experiment. Uh, put God to the test. I invite you to consider the 90-day tithing experiment. Test it out. Test me in this, God says. And I'm not sure if this might be the only place in all of Scripture where God says, put me to the test. Uh, hopefully, uh, you will receive uh, shortly a uh, a little letter from Pastor Jim. He's going to invite you to take the 90-day tithing experiment. Or you could sign up on Messiah's website. But just try it out. Three months, you know, this is one of these things. You just try it. And if you get into it and it's not working for you, hey, we will be happy to refund 100% of your tithe back to you. No questions asked. But really an appreciation for giving it a go. Well, let's return to the concept of in relation to our income. In Paul's uh, letter to the, the first letter to the Corinthians, it says, on the first day of each week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Meaning this, that we are to give to God in relation to all of the blessings that we have been given. 
in relation, capital R. As you take a look at your loaf, you compare the God portion with all the other portions. You do it deliberately, with thought, intentionally. You give to the Lord a sum of money in keeping with your income. So you compare uh, your offerings, your tithe, um, on what you spend for, oh, food. Uh, or, uh, and, <laughs> tuition. If it's me, it looks like this. <laughs> you know, cars. Um, yeah, my cars are kind of paid for. <laughs> All the other, vacations. God, that's all it is. That's all it is. The leftovers. I believe the, uh, the tithe really is the place to start. You give to God first, and I know. I know. Believe me, I know it might not seem like a logical thing to do. It might not make sense on paper. You may have to struggle. You might not get what you want when you want it. Giving God's way probably will put you in a bind. Uh, may mean even making some sacrifices may mean doing without some things, may mean making some tough choices, may mean you have to trust God. Oh. Be dependent upon him. Be, you'll be talking to him a lot. Uh, you, you'll stick very close to him, and, and that's the very best thing you could ever do. Giving God's way is the way. For as you give it away with one hand, you will be humbled and you will be amazed as you reach into your pocket with the other only to find that he has not forgotten you. He has provided with you, for you. He has given you more. It might not translate into physical blessings, but certainly rich spiritual blessings. It's really something the way he works. You can't outgive him. And it's very liberating to do it his way. It's quite wonderful to discover that God is bigger. And he's miraculous and he's amazing. And you don't have to fend for yourself. That's his job. He blesses us over and over and over. The Lord has been and continues to be so good to us. We've been so blessed. And knowing this, we can't help but to get back cheerfully. And so it is with thanksgiving. It's out of love, not guilt. It's gratitude. Gratitude in our heart. For That's why we return to him, you know, first and in proportion and and with great joy and gladness, it's our privilege. We give with eagerness. Can't wait. Appreciation, thank you, and delight. Eagerness, appreciation, 
and delights. We give cheerfully, not fearfully. And God loves it. God loves a cheerful giver. Therefore, church, as Paul writes, just as you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the eagerness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The love of Jesus Christ and the love for Jesus Christ. Giving is an action that expresses love. That's our motivation, Jesus Christ. It always comes down to love. He did it for love. We do it for love. We give by beginning with God first. We give in relation to our income. We give with a cheerful heart full of eagerness, appreciation, and delight for all that Jesus has done for us. That's giving God's way. And giving God's way is the way. Amen.